Kidsport Calgary would like to recognize a partner, Elevate Lacrosse. Join Elevate Lacrosse, Canada's leader in youth lacrosse development. Registration is now open for the Elevate Winter Training Program, directed and coached by National Lacrosse League players, providing the highest level of indoor box instruction. Get registered today at www.elevatelacrosse.com. We at Sport Calgary like to stay active, in person and online. Be sure to follow us at Sport Calgary on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Kidsport Calgary presents the Face First Podcast with your hosts Alicia Rissling and Grace Defoe. And here they are sliding right on in, Grace and Alicia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Face First Podcast. My name is Alicia Rissling, a.k.a. Riz. And I'm Grace Defoe. And welcome back. We are still here in Whistler at the beautiful Whistler Sliding Center, still experiencing some um, tropical weather, I'd call it, with some extreme rain. (laughs) Tropical. I don't know. It feels more like winter and rainy, but that's okay. Well, it's rain. It's not snow yet. Who knows? Maybe by tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But today we brought on another lovely guest, our friend, Madison Charney. Maddie, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. And you uh, just got to Whistler, am I right? Recently? Uh, yeah, I got in, I think we're on day three now. And yes, the uh, beautiful rainy Whistler. Mm-hmm. Well, I was actually pretty decent last week, but um, now we're on to the, the rain and the snow, I think. But as is, the weather here is constantly keeping us on our toes, changing the track up. Yeah, just keeping us on our toes. But I think the snow is coming and the skiers are obviously going to be pretty happy pretty quick. Mm -hmm. So um, Maddie is a teammate of mine as well. She's on the Canadian skeleton team. Um, Do you want to introduce a little bit more about yourself then, Maddie? And just talk about how you got into skeleton. Oh, okay. Um, This is a fun one, kind of. So uh, this is my 10th season sliding. Actually, it's kind of crazy to say that out loud. Every year I'm like, holy this has been a lot of my life uh, devoted to this. But um, so I was growing up, I was a multi-sport athlete um, in a small southern Alberta town. Um, I was lucky enough that uh, my town was literally took 10 minutes to drive one end to the other. So you could do three different sports in one night. Um, and then my family made a bit of a lifestyle change when I was in junior high. I was just going into grade nine there and we ended up moving to Calgary. And my mom noticed um, that I wasn't as joyful and bubbly, I guess you would say, as I was when we were living in Brooks. Um, I wasn't able to participate in as many sports as I was in Brooks because Calgary is significantly larger and it takes 30 minutes to get anywhere, I swear. Um, And so she was kind of looking for things around where um, we were living at the time, which was actually really close to Winsport. And she saw a sign um, asking uh, parents, do you want your kid to be an Olympian? And it was actually for Luge. um, But my mom contacted them and they said that I was too old, which is crazy because I was only, I think I was 15 um, when she saw that sign. And, but they said skeletons always looking and you know what, that should have been a red flag for my mom. Like, you know, the sport's always looking for people. Maybe there's a reason why, (laughs) you know, curling kids down this icy shoot face first. Um, but anyway, she put me in it and, uh, I did an ID camp 
And then I did a Discover Skeleton that year, kind of slid. Um, I think it was like there was four months left in the season. And then, um, yeah, the rest is history. I just kind of worked my way up the ranks. And here we are 10 years later. 10 years later. Oh, I didn't realize that it was your uh, full decade anniversary. This, this uh, It is. It's wild. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, this is funny because we actually recently on the last podcast spoke with Michaela and I didn't realize that you could start skeleton that young. So you started at 15. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was 15 because my mom had to drive me um, to training and skeleton used to get the worst ice time in Calgary. We'd slide from like, sometimes it was like nine to 11. Like, I don't understand why the track was open that late, but my poor parents like on work nights and school nights, we're taking me to training like super, super late because I was I couldn't drive. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, we did have yeah. late, late ice times and uh Yeah. That's so tough. But props to parents, sport parents for doing that. Oh yeah. I remember my mom my mom drove me tons of places. Obviously, my brother both playing sports around Calgary, as you mentioned, it takes thirty minutes to get across the city. Some days my brother would yeah. have practice in southeast Calgary and I would be in say the northwest figure skating and uh it was always a rush <laughs> to get through crow child and up to the next rink yeah always hey <laughs> so maddie you've been signing up for 10 years um and then recently you got to compete in a couple world cups was last year the first world cup season for you or did you get some before that no, so I actually um, won Canadian Championships and won Team Trials in 2015 um, and made the World Cup team that year. Uh, and I got to compete in Lake Placid and Calgary and actually had my best World Cup finish and then um, was swapped out for another one of my teammates. Um, so I did some World Cups that year and then um, I actually did another World Cup in Lake Placid um, two seasons ago. And then, yeah, I did a full season of World Cup last year. I just want to go back to uh, winning that Canadian Championships in, you said, 2015. There's a there's a story behind that one, and I think you got a special gift after that one, didn't you? Oh, I, I, I did, actually. So it's kind of a kind of weird story. So my brother um, was actually graduating university the weekend of our team trials, and so my parents flew out to Ontario to be there for his graduation. Obviously, it's a huge deal. He graduated with two degrees, and... Um, it's kind of a, a family joke that my mom has a math elite and an athlete. Um, so, yeah, they were at the math <laughs> graduation. Um, and I won team trials. I called my parents and they were on the train um, back from a wine tour, I think. And I told them my mom was like, yeah, yeah, that's a funny joke, but like continue. Um, and so <laughs> Grace is alluding to uh, just a little, I, I would say like a month before team trials, my mom um, you know, my parents obviously want me to, to succeed in everything I do. Um, and my mom said to me that if I won team trials, she would get me another dog. So we already had a family dog, Molly, best, best girl. Love you, Molly girl. Um, but yeah, my mom, uh, really didn't want another dog. We had two dogs, um, previously and it was, it's a lot of work for her. Um, but she said, yeah, if you win team trials and you make world cup, I'll get you another dog. Sure enough, I call her, tell her I won team trials, and she's like, send me the timesheets, so I believe you. Send her the timesheets, and um, yeah, that spring, I uh, got to go and look at some puppies, and then, um, you know, they say the dog picks you, but yeah, my my rosy girl picked me that, that spring, and she came home with me May long weekend, and she's been with me for the last five years, and 
I cannot imagine life without her. I cannot believe this. This is an amazing story. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I, like, I, I remember when you got Rosie, but I just kind of assumed you just got another dog. I didn't realize it was a big asterisk of winning team or, uh, Canadian championships. Wow. So Rosie's like a little medal that you get to carry around and, and bring around you wherever you go. Yeah, she is. My uh, my dad started this um, before I had Rosie. He would make our family dog. She she loved to hold stuff in her mouth. Well, she or she she passed, but when she was with us, she used to love to hold stuff in her mouth. And my dad would make little signs and um, put them in her mouth and send them to me, like "Good luck, Maddie. We miss you." Where it would say like "Woof woof woof." Um, good luck. And he uh, he started doing that with Rosie, which was adorable as well. That is so cute. I love it. I love all those photos of um, of Rosie and of Molly before. Just saying, mm-hmm. go Maddie, go. They're, they were so cute. Yeah. And if anyone follows, what's your Instagram, Maddie? Uh, Mad Rose. M A D S R O S E. Yeah, and you can follow along during season because she'll repost those ones, and they're always like the cutest things. Everybody gets a big kick out of them. I love it. It's, it's such a nice little thing to have when uh, a little piece of home. Mm-hmm. I don't get the pictures like that with the signs in the mouth, but actually my dad sends me emails on behalf of my dog. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I get emails from my dog, and they're signed Aston Woof Woof. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if I should be embarrassed about this, but I love it so much that like, I hope it never changes because it makes me so happy. The signature is really what brings yeah. it home there. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty amazing so and anybody who knows maddie knows that she is probably the biggest dog person out there i don't think i've ever seen you not stop to pet a dog that walked by regardless of where you are i was actually saying i haven't pet a dog today um and uh, it wasn't a bad day but there definitely you know was a lack of sparkle in my day for sure i'm sorry i'm sorry about that there's no dogs at the track today i guess then hey no none not a single one you know the whole uh, pandemic thing, people aren't as willing um, to let you smother uh, their dog with your affection and your face and your breath. So it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, that is true. People don't really want you to touch their dogs unless unless you sanitize your hands maybe before and wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I get it. You know, I get offer. it. I, I get to admire from afar. Actually, you know what? I, I'm going to disagree with you guys because I feel like so many people got quarantine puppies. And maybe it's just because I just moved into a high-rise <laughs> apartment downtown. And there are so many quarantine puppies in this in my apartment. Like, I can't get in the elevator without getting in with a dog. And it makes me so happy. And there's two um, Bernadoodles, like Burmese Mountain Dogs with mixed with Poodles. And they're a week apart. They're, they're not related. And it's just that every time I'm in there, I'm like hi like pick up their dogs and then i always tell their owner like uh, uh by the way I, i'm in this apartment like uh bring by anytime if you need a dog store <laughs> except between the months of november and except, march well yeah a little little difficult now <laughs> that's too bad um so matt how why don't you tell us how you got involved with kids sport and how long you've been in the program for sure i actually ooh, um how many years has it been it has been i want to say five years now I think I've been with kids sport maybe four um so I uh did some work with um Cowboys Calgary uh for Stampede and I actually accidentally emailed emailed Kevin um the uh big head honcho at kids sport from my personal email while at work one day 
and he saw in my email signature that um, I was an athlete. And he immediately responded and said, hey, enough about work. Um, do you, are you interested in becoming an ambassador of Kidsport? Um, and I, I looked, uh, looked Kidsport up. I actually hadn't heard of them um, as I'd only been in Calgary a few years prior to that. Um, and obviously, I completely agree with the initiatives. Um, so, yeah, it's been about, I think, I want to say five years of, um, you know, being able to attend these community events and um, promote Kidsport and really uh, share their values um, because I completely agree um, that no no child should not have access to organized sports. Um, I think all three of us can agree that um, having access to sports growing up made us the people that we are today. And um, yeah, I'm super happy that I'm able to um, be a part of kids sport as well. Yeah, I mean, we love having you on the team. I, we say we just, we chatted with Michaela on the last episode about how it's so fun to go to the events the events are amazing but also that we all get to hang out basically with our group of friends um i mean (laughs) we can't argue that that the events are a ton of fun what's your favorite event do you have a favorite oh my goodness that is the hardest question um they are all so much fun obviously as an athlete i do enjoy eating uh, so pizza, pizza pig out is definitely up there, but I also was lucky enough to be a part of Brian Burke's Target for Kids last year, two years ago. Yeah, and that one. Yeah, that one. I would say it was a great time, and I think everyone there um, are from different backgrounds. You know, you have avid shooters. You have athletes, you have people that are there just on behalf of their businesses. You have those guys that love to come to the events and just cheer everyone else on. And um, I thought that was a super, super fun event. Um, And obviously, Brian Burke is a great guy as well. So my question about that event in particular, because I remember you were a little bit of a sharpshooter. And uh, (laughs) had you had previous experience in shooting clays? So shooting clays. Yeah, yeah, you call it yeah, shooting clays, skeet shooting. Um, so yeah. I I grew up in a small town, obviously, and my dad uh, is an avid hunter, so he hunts birds with our dogs. Actually, that's why I had to get a cocker spaniel or a spaniel of some kind because he likes to use them um, as working dogs. So I learned um, gun safety at an appropriate age, I don't want to say a young age, but there were um, shotguns in the house and uh, it was important that, you know, we, we knew safety around weapons. Uh, and so I did uh, get to fire, fire a gun, I think when I was, I want to say 13 maybe. So I shot a few times, but I actually hadn't shot very much before the event. Uh, I just happened to have a very good coach with me uh, when we did the first kind of few rounds and then the Annie Oakley we get the there was one guy out there that just gave me a couple tips and I ended up doing pretty well I guess you could say yeah didn't you make it to like the final like five or something like that yeah so I think I definitely was the last woman and I ended up knocking out uh the goalie of the flames I knocked out Mike he was a little bit yeah he was a little bit upset by that and then (laughs) I knocked out one of Jesse Lumsden's lives as well, and I also don't think he was very happy about that. Because he he is an avid avid hunter. Yeah, yeah, hey, he is. So I think, I want to say it was Jesse, myself, uh, yeah, maybe three other people. I think you're right, Riz. I think there was five of us left, and 
I'm not sure how I made it that far, but I did. I, I was, it was luck, beginner's luck, yeah. I think. It was impressive. I, yeah. was, I was cheering you on for sure. I think I was talking to someone and I kept looking over and I was like, oh my gosh, Maddie's still in it. And then I would like continue chatting with the person. It was the person that, that bit on me and, you know, we were chatting after and then, um, and then I kept looking over again. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's still in it. <laughs> it was, it was pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Riz, do you remember the guy that uh, was bidding for the team? So a um, little background for everyone. So this Annie Oakley there are, I guess you would call us the, the celebrities or the athletes and uh, guests from the community that come in. The, the, he likes to call it local personalities. That's what we're going to yeah, do. Yeah, so that's good. So all these local personalities come and community members bid on us and create teams, uh, hoping that, you know, your team wins. There's no no prize for anyone other than kids sport, obviously, is the beneficiary of of all this bidding um but one of the guys felt bad uh because he'd seen my uh, my previous rounds and he didn't think anyone was going to bid on me so he bid on me and then yeah i ended up winning it for his team i think london and i were both on his team i think and yeah it ended up ended up pretty well for him no kidding that, that, sometimes it pays off just a little bit of coaching eh? and you're ready to go yeah exactly true athlete style just give you a few pointers and you're ready to go exactly all right, so let's bring it back to Skeleton. Uh, some questions for you. What is your favorite track and why? Mm, this one might be a controversial topic because <laughs> I want to say eagles, but I feel like everyone that flies that hears this is going to be mad at me for saying <laughs> that. Um, you know what? Oh, hold on, hold on. I'll, I'll explain just why why this controversial if you're not from the outside the sliding community so eagles is a track it's beautiful it's just outside of innsbruck austria um and it's also probably what most would call the easiest track the only track that i have not track walked before i went down i'd never seen that the first time i saw the track i was sliding hmm. okay yeah. but why, why would you say eagles well I also, Riz, it's easy to get down, but it's hard to get down fast, okay? Like, let's all agree on that. And don't get me wrong, there are some corners in the bottom that will put you on your butt if you're not paying attention, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that Eagles is, it's its own beast, right? I love Whistler. Don't get me, like, you know, Whistler's probably... It's always going to be really close to my heart, and I love sliding here. I cannot get enough of sliding in Whistler. But Eagles is like its own challenge because there are a few high-pressure corners, but it's it's technical, and one small mistake drops you four or five places in, in skeleton, and um, I really enjoy that challenge, but I enjoy that challenge without fearing for my life, such as LeBlanc, you know? So, yeah, I just, I think, I think I would say Eagles or Whistler, because, yeah, Whistler, as I said, I cannot get enough of Whistler either. I think we can all agree, at least you didn't say Winterberg. Yeah, (laughs) Winterberg. Such a confusing place. It's a very confusing place. (laughs) And, but you know what, I, I, I don't mind Eagles as an answer, though, because it's so beautiful there. Like, I just love being, like, high up in the mountains and when you look around and when you have a beautiful sunny day there, it's 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 really pretty. And the start house isn't so bad. And 
And bobsled in, in Eagles, it's basically, it's a, we really call it a push track. So for us, um, whatever you push is basically as long as you don't screw anything up is where you're going to finish. So that's why for us, it's, it's like, it's not quite as technical. I don't think we carry a lot more weight We carry So we have a lot more control. Um, so I don't think it's quite as technical as you're referring to, but you absolutely can, you don't win the race there. You just can lose it. Yeah, that's actually, that's a really good way of of putting it. And obviously the push matters for us a lot as well, but we are quite a bit lighter and and mistakes do cost us a lot more. But if you look at the podium, even from the last women's world cup, you have, I'm pretty sure we had, there was a GB athlete. Um, and obviously the GB athletes are all amazing push athletes. Then you also have, um, you know, the Germans who are not uh, in the top, I would say top 10 push ranked, but they are on the podium um, because as you said, they, you know, it's not about winning the race. It's about, you know, losing those, those um, little, little time increments places. And they're just really good at holding that through. So yeah, I, I don't know. I know that Eagles is kind of a weird answer, but I'm going to stick with it. I like it. It's, it's definitely out there and, you know, not the typical one. So I, I appreciate you being a little bit different. Thanks, really. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is you have a wicked helmet and a helmet design. So do you want to talk maybe a little bit about how that came into play and yeah, what it is? Sh- for sure. So let's start way back in the day. My mom was a cheerleader for the Calgary Stampeders when she was 18 way back in the day. Um, I saw I'm a picture. Gonna... She looked like an absolute rocket. Judy. Yeah. She, <laughs> she is a rocket, not was a rocket. She is a rocket. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not going to say the year that uh, I don't want to date her, that she was the, um, the cheerleader, but yeah, she was a stamp cheerleader way back in the day. And I have not been allowed to like any other CFL team uh, in my life. I've only ever been allowed to like the Stampeders, but they're easy to like. Great Cup winners, you know, Burris played for them for a while, and they're a great team to follow. So I was lucky enough to be at a charity event a few years ago, actually with Henry Burris, and I was sat at a table. Um, I was the athlete at the table just to kind of schmooze and, you know, get the people at the table to spend some money and I ended up sitting with the equipment manager for the Calgary Stampeders. His name is George Hopkins. Everyone calls him Geo. And uh, you'll know him as the guy on the sidelines with the shorts, even if it's snowing. He always has shorts on. He's a shorter guy, gray hair, very, very nice. And he was kind of asking me some questions about uh, sliding and, you know, my life and my family, where I'm from, what I like to do. And, and he also asked what our suits look like and what my sled looks like. And I was showing him everything about skeleton. He has a daughter, so he really knew all the questions to ask to get me to really open up to him. And, and he's a nice guy, so it's hard not to talk to Gio. And then he invited me down to the clubhouse the next week, and I was ecstatic about this. And he said, well, to bring my equipment down. So I brought all my equipment down, and there were some, some players there, and Gio mostly just wanted to see my stuff. So showed him the sled and the helmet. And he asked me if I wanted to have my helmet painted. And I said, sure. I said, why not? And he said, are you okay if we just send it with the rest of the team's helmets down to Oregon where they're going to get painted? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> How can I say no to that? So my helmet, my skeleton helmet, literally went in this massive shipping container down to Oregon with the rest of the Calgary Sun Peters helmets. And I didn't even know what it was going to look like when I got it back. Um, but Gio had it express shipped back before the guys were done. And uh, he showed it to me, kind of a little unveiling. And it was the Labor Day classic helmet for that season. 
Um, so it was their special uniform helmet. It is a chrome red starburst silver helmet with the uh, silver horses on the side, a bit of a matte black detail. Um, and it, yeah, it's amazing. It, it really pays homage to my family and to where I live. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Southern Alberta girl and that's a Southern Alberta team. Doesn't, doesn't get any more, uh, any, any more uh, homey than that, I would say. No, I, I agree. As a Stampeders fan, I, the moment I saw your helmet, I was like, that's so cool. And I know always as well, my grandma was a Stampeders fan for pretty much ever. And she had seen your helmet in a couple photos. And she also said it was like so amazing and kind of probably was like, why don't you have that? <laughs> um, I think it's Sorry. a great story. And uh, you bring up the Labor Day classic. We joke we have the Battle of Alberta going on because obviously Rose is from, from Edmonton and... Represent the North. Love me a good Labor Day classic. (laughs) No, I like, it's funny because now that I've I've been a Calgarian for so many years and and just to touch back on the story is that, so in the sport of skeleton, um, they, do how many helmets would you guys go through? Like you, you pretty much have one helmet for a couple of years, eh? The helmet I have right now. I mean, cost me a thousand dollars. I don't know what you paid Maddie and I like, I guard it with my life. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, we don't, uh, believe it or not, we don't actually hit our heads uh, very often. I know that that surprises a lot of people, but the only place you're really going to scratch up your helmet is on the chin if you're dragging it um, kind of on the ice or close to the ice. But we don't ever really, uh, if we get put upside down, our helmet isn't isn't scratched. We don't have a bobsleigh weighing on us, so it doesn't uh, break the integrity of the helmet. So if you don't have any major hits in your career, you, you're completely correct, Riz. You could actually have a helmet for your entire career. So when you kind of get it painted, it's, um, you know, that's with you for your career. And Canada was actually the first nation to really start putting stories on our helmets. And it started with Melissa Hollingsworth and Sarah Reed at the Sochi Games. And then the rest of us have just kind of, you know, tagged along to that. And and if you look at, I think almost every team member has uh, a story of some kind on their helmet. And that's the easiest way to get them talking is to ask them about their helmets. I think you can always tell who's the new person on uh, or like who just got called up to World Cup or something because they're the one with the white or black helmet. Everyone else <laughs> yeah, seems to have, have something a... helmet now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and that's the one thing I, I'm super jealous of you guys. Uh, um, just with, in Bob's side, we have pretty standard helmets. Um, I've had seasons where I've gone through seven or eight helmets uh, just from not having a good season, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, so for, for us, we don't have the option. We're not, we don't, we aren't given that creativity. And so um, it's one thing about your sport that I'm super jealous of. Um, and so looping back on this as an Edmontonian, I've never missed a, a Labor Day. However, when I was growing up, um, I always went to the Labor Day rematch because it was in Edmonton. Um, and I, to this day, other than there not being one this year, I've only missed one Labor Day classic since I was probably six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but now living in Calgary, um, it's, everyone jokes now I'm kind of a traitor, but it was hard not to cheer for the Stampeders. My former Brakeman's, uh, brother was on the team. Um, so many Bolivai and Alex Singleton were training at the CSI. Like it was, it, there were just so many guys, Charlie Power was at Rev. Like it was just there were so many of these, these stampeders that were just so involved in our lives that it, it was kind of hard not to, to cheer for your friends. So mm-hmm. I think it started as the first Labor Day classic that I went to when I was living in Calgary. I was wearing Eskimo gear, or sorry, the Edmonton football team gear. 
And, uh, <laughs> and then it was like a couple of years went on and then I'd wear, uh, an Edmonton t-shirt with maybe like a red sweater over top. <laughs> I like just yeah. being more and more conflicted every year. And then I think as of the last one I went to, I was just straight up wearing a, a red sweater with a stampede hat that I got from, uh, some of the coaches actually at, I can't remember what event it was. Oh, it was when we, uh, did you, Maddie, I'm pretty sure you came to this, Chris, I'm not sure if you did, but the, the women in football day that they put oh, on. It's a, I snap. it's a snap. That's what it was. It's a snap. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's hard not to get behind Calgary and, and the guys on the team. Um, I think CFL, um, I don't know any NFL player. Oh no, I guess we know Alex Singleton. He's an NFL yeah. player, but uh, when we knew him in the CFL, it's these guys are so involved in the community. And I, I love that about them. They're accessible. You can talk to them. As you said, we were with them in the gym. You know, they're literally training side by side with us. Um, and we sometimes I get to be involved in some of the drills and it's super fun. Um, you know, I can never catch them, but, uh, it's always, it's, it's hard not to get behind, um, Calgary as a football team, especially because of the players that we have and, and yeah, the success they've, they've had helps as well. Absolutely. And yeah, and they're just like a, such a, and it, yeah, it did help that they were being so successful as well, but they, what you said about them being so involved in the community, like I, like they say yes to everything kind of the same way. I think that we kind of do. And we've just created this culture within Calgary, um, this community, I guess, of athlete ambassadors and just always doing our part and donating our time in any capacity that we can to try and raise awareness for whatever the cause may be. So it's hard not to, to cheer for them. So that's the one thing I like sheepishly hide myself from, but I, I, I've converted fully. <laughs> Are, so I like, I have a question, I guess, Riz, about, the Edmonton team, are they not as integrated within the community? Or I guess you haven't lived there in, in a few years, so maybe you don't know yeah, exactly I now. Think, but um, that's the, And that's the tough thing. And I, I don't want to bash any of the players because I don't know what it's like now. But I do know well, um, in my years playing at U of A, so still in Edmonton, and I was still pretty involved in the community um, wherever I could be. But I just didn't see them quite as much. They just, it just seems like in Calgary, maybe it's just because of the group that I'm running it, but I just seem to see their Stampeders at every single charity event and they do a really good job and they, they, they all are like happy to be there as well, where it doesn't look like it's the kind of thing that they're just like, Oh, I'm here because I have to be sort of deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I how many Stampeders were on the stage at the wing off the hot wing eating competition? I think I was in between John Bender and one other, um, you know, big, big, big guy. But the funny thing is that they aren't always the best at eating the hot wings, which is, uh, it always makes me laugh a little bit. I actually think I, I ate more than John Bender that time, but they are totally so involved in the community, which is amazing. Yeah, they're, they're pretty great. Yeah, the wing off. That's a cl- another classic kids sport event for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know what? The the horrible part is thinking about how many wings we eat at that event. I think <laughs> that someone last year was up around fifty wings. Like during the competition? No, 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 no. Like during the evening, because you have to sample all the wings, right? And there's always so many amazing flavors of wings at the wing off. Oh, I'm like 50 isn't even that bad. I've seen people take down like 80. Oh. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. I was very selective last year. I was like, I only want to try this flavor because I was like trying to lose weight for skeleton. I was like, okay, I can only have... I think I limited myself to like 30. I was like, that is my absolute cap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I've seen people take down like 80. Yeah. 
It's almost impressive. I'm not even mad. It is. No, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Mads, do you know what the season's kind of looking like for you? Any idea? Oh, that's a great question. So, we have... Because I don't. So, I'm just wondering if you know anything. (laughs) Yeah, we have team trials coming up here. And after that, it's kind of anyone's guess, to be honest. Um, It doesn't... It doesn't really look like we are going to uh, make it to the first World Cup. Um, I think it's in Segolda. I'm not even really sure of the World Cup schedule at this point. I try not to get too involved in any of the schedules before I actually am named to a team. Um, I don't like to count my eggs before they've gone down the track, you know? So, yeah. (laughs) I think that's how that one goes. We're going to use that. It is. It is. But, yeah, nobody... Nobody really knows. It's kind of been um, hurry up and wait, I guess, is the best way to describe how the, the off season and kind of how the first part of the season's gone. But, yeah, we're here in Whistler sliding, and we are going to, yeah, compete in three total races, I think it is. We have two full weekends of racing, and then you're not really sure what's going to happen after that. It's kind of anyone's, anyone's guess at this point and honestly we could be told one thing and then have that change you know the next day so yeah we're not really sure what the season's going to look like not sure if we're going to make it to europe at any point um this year or if it's just going to be a uh, a building year we would say yeah yeah i mean covid is throwing us some some curveballs this year but mm-hmm. we're here in whistler we're lucky to at least have a track here in canada we can travel and and train on which i think you know, uh, looking on the positive side, we're very lucky to at least have that. Yeah, I agree. At least we have one track that's left, right? And yeah. uh, it is the better one, I would say, of the two. But, yeah, at least we have one that is um, fairly accessible for us. And, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here in Whistler, even if it is a tropical monsoon. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, we did have at sliding today one of our athletes uh, was very, very wet. And for skeleton, we only have one of our runners in the groove, whereas bobsleigh is wide enough that you guys have both of your runners in those in those grooves that are carved into the ice. And with one runner, it's very easy to hydroplane if there's water in the grooves. And one of our fellow teammates uh, did a very good demonstration of a plank all the way down the start ramp, but he did make it onto his sled. Thank, thank the Lord, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that it, it's an epic video. Um, he yes. definitely was pretty soaked after that. It was like going down a slip and slide and then getting on your sled and going 130 kilometers an hour. Well, maybe yeah, not that seriously. Fast, I, I think Grace, Grace had some freezing rain on her visor today, too. Yeah, the rain was like hitting before corner one. It's not covered. It was like hitting my visor and then like freezing kind of in like little droplets. It was very strange. Um, the rest of the track is covered after that, as we know. So it was fine after that, but going into one, I was like, what is this? <laughs> and isn't it, isn't it wild? These, you know, the guys do such an amazing job here. And women, I think there's still some women on the crew at, um, you know, at keeping ice on that start ramp and then having an amazing track once you actually get under, you know, under the cover, you're still hitting upwards of 130. And I'm sure the boxes are still going 140. To me, that's just insane. Like it's a monsoon outside, yet we're still, you know, ripping top speeds. Yeah, pretty incredible. Um, I do have one more question, though, about COVID. How did that affect your training this summer? What, how did, what, where did you have to get creative? What kind of things were you doing? Um, how did that affect your mindset? That's yeah, a great deal. question. Um, let's, uh, let's start with that mindset. It's, it's kind of been an interesting summer because 
the CSI was closed uh, for access. Sorry, the CSI is the gym that most of the national team athletes that are located in Calgary train at. Um, I train there with uh, a few of my other sliding teammates. And we actually didn't even have access to that training facility until August. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. So we did have to get a little bit creative before that. But that the mindset's kind of a weird a part uh, that it played this summer because we weren't really sure what was going to happen, but we had to prepare like there there will be a season. And as we know, there is still a bit of a season and we are still racing, but we started a lot later and it was, you know, it's, it's October and I should be sliding and, and I'm not. And how do I feel about that? And how do I feel about potentially traveling, you know, across the world into all these crazy COVID hotspots and getting on an airplane for eight hours. And I think the mindset was definitely something uh, that will hopefully add to the resiliency of, of the athletes on Team Canada. Uh, as we know, things were changing all the time. But as a, for the actual physical training, I was lucky enough that one of our fellow teammates, bobsleigh teammates, Christine De Bruin, had a little gym set up in her garage and we <laughs> nicknamed it. Uh, it was named the COVID gym at first. And then we started calling it the De Bruin Sport Institute because uh, as we know, the De Bruins live there, and there was quite a few of us training out of there. Um, and then my uh, my other teammate, um, Mimi Reneva, she lives really close to me, and so we were able to run. Uh, there's two fields by our places, and, and we ran outside with our dogs, which was probably the best part of the whole summer, is that I think I trained with my dogs um, two, maybe max four days a week, and that was, yeah, that was the best, having them all summer long. Yeah, we uh, we had to get a bit creative. We found a sled from the De Bruins, and uh, we were doing a bunch of the workouts at my place as well, just with free weights and bands and all that stuff for a while before we actually got the, the De Bruins Sport Institute set up. But yeah, we did, did quite a bit at, at their place and at our place and just in fields. And, and then once the tracks opened, we were uh, on those as well. So yeah, we did get a bit creative, but I don't think we missed out on on too too much obviously there wasn't um the coaching aspect all summer which is something that uh, i really value and miss but i think mimi and i did a good job of watching each other and and videoing each other and trying to send video to our coaches when we could and yeah it was definitely a, a creative summer but i think that overall i think it, it worked out pretty well i mean yeah it it forces you to be creative and, and props to, it seems like every one of our teammates found something different and a different way to get it done. But at the end of the day, we made it to camp and made it to Whistler and we all got it done somehow. I remember joking, I think at track most of the, most of July being like, what are we training for? We're not even going to have a season. And now it's crazy to be like, wow, we're actually sliding. Like in July, I didn't think that I thought we would be able to actually make it out to slide. Yeah. Hey, it was wild. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm glad that everything worked out. And um, Grace and I just want to thank you so much for coming on the Face First podcast and giving us your input and telling your story. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, Maddie, and telling us a little bit how little young Maddie got into skeleton <laughs> and, and everything that's taken you to year 10. That's yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on here. I uh, really appreciate it. And Hopefully we can spread the word about Kidport as much as possible and, and yeah, just keep sharing everyone's stories. Love it. Love it. All right. Good luck in your selection races and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. 
Hockey Calgary is the governing body for all minor hockey in Calgary, from Timbits to Junior. This year marks the 50th year of operation. Although an unusual one, Hockey Calgary has been a leader in the return to hockey process. Focusing on the safety of their members, fun and development are at the forefront of this season as players hit the ice once again. Hockey Calgary would like to thank their members for their patience and cooperation through the return to hockey process and look forward to seeing everybody at the rink. Interested in volunteering at future Sport Calgary events? Visit sportcalgary.ca to get involved. 